Hello, my name is John O'Connell, and welcome to AMX Fika Leadership Podcast. So over these podcasts, I'll be speaking to some inspirational and innovative data and analytic contributors from across industry and the health and care sectors. I'll be asking each of them to share with us some of the exciting work they have underway, which is helping to shape the health and care analytics space, as well as asking some of them their motivational insights into their career paths to date. So why FICA? FICA is a social phenomenon in Sweden, I thought I'd borrow. It's a legitimate reason to set aside some really quality time to catch up with friends, family and colleagues over a coffee and a cake. So joining me today is George Batchelor, the co-founder and director of Edge Health, a leading analytics firm that works with the NHS. Edge Health is a specialist firm that provides tailored healthcare data analytics and insights. George and his team work with organizations including NHS trusts, primary care providers, commissioners, national bodies, and organizations in other sectors such as air travel. And EDGE's capabilities range from modeling and evaluation to advanced data science and bespoke software development that uses machine learning. And uh, George uh, says his clients love his work uh, because of their ability of bringing data to life, which is really important for all of us, and provide insights to make a real difference and also gives them the confidence to make important decisions they need to make. So welcome, George. Really great to have you join us with Fika. Hi, John. Nice to be with you on Fika. Brilliant, brilliant. So welcome. So always we say to our guests, uh, Fika is obviously an important thing, is a coffee and a cake with friends. What are you, a coffee or tea person? What's your favourite cake? Um, well, we've got a new baby, a relatively new baby. So it's definitely coffee at the moment. Although <laughs> I think tea can be a great healer. So uh, it really depends on the on the context. But yeah, probably more coffee at the moment. That's great. Keeps you awake. So, George, it'd be really great. I mean, you, we mentioned on the on the call earlier when we, we spoke about your background. Uh, be really good. And what we, we end up doing with Fika is just to sort of hear about people's you know uh, career journeys today, because not always uh, linear, and there's opportunities avail themselves. Would you be able to share with our listeners you, you know your career journey today and uh, any advice that you think you you know picked up along the way that'd be interesting to listeners? Sure. I mean, where where to start? Mm. Um, I enjoyed maths at school. I was awful at English. Um, and I decided to go down the more quantitative route and I felt economics was probably the best direction because at least back then it was the most in touch with the real world. I'm not, I'm not sure that's true anymore, but, uh, you know, back, back in those days it was. And so my first job wasn't at the place where I originally wanted the Bank of England, but was at a consultancy called NERA, um, where I ended up in the, the mergers and competition team doing contentious economics, arguing over whether there had been a cartel or, a, or whether a merger should go ahead. I think my, my, my favourite merger case was the Anheuser-Busch InBev merger, beer merger, um, where we looked at how, uh, how the different uh, beer brands competed with each other. Um, and so I managed to do that for five years before I got bored of arguing. Um, and I think that sort of neatly coincided with the the economic downturn and and the, and the collapse of merger cases. And um, I actually followed a, a colleague of mine, Ed, um, over to PwC, and that's when I got into health. And the thing I loved about health is that there's just so much to be done. And at least relative to sort of arguing about the numbers in a box, um, I found it quite collaborative. 
And this this was back in the days when, you know, there was talk of competition still in health. So it kind of sucked me in. And I think the thing with health is that once you're sucked in, there's a massive network of people that you just, some of, you know, mostly you grow to love, not all of them. Uh, <laughs> mostly it's, it's a decent network. And um, yeah, so I got sort of wound into the uh, 2012 health and care reforms, probably too early on in my career to have been uh, hugely insightful and, and, and helpful. Um, although I, I played a role in setting up the pricing function uh, at Monitor then, now NHSI. Um, went back to PwC, and I think the thing I noticed going from the uh, the the environment of, I, I guess, the government to a private firm was was just the amount of scope you had to do whatever you want to do. Um, and so no one really got in the way. There was no, uh, there were no, there were no groups to approve work that was going to happen or or anything like that. So I really enjoyed going back to PwC and doing some of the work that we did. Um, but ultimately, it was still a massive, massive organisation um, with with all of its, uh, you know, failings that you're probably a bit familiar with and some that you're probably not so familiar with. And and you know, there's always the people side. Um, so after about five years of that, I decided uh, again with Ed um, to go back to Nera and to set up their health team. I think we had we had some some ambitions about what work we were going to do, and and it was completely different uh, when we got there. What we did find out when we got there is that it was kind of the first time, and this was back in 2014. Um, really saw how much data hospitals were holding, um, but not using. Routinely collected data, just routinely not used. And so we brought that to life uh, in Ashford and St Peter's in a big project we did with them around the time that they were thinking about merging with Royal Surrey. And they really liked the work. They loved the work. A few of them said we should just go on our own and do this sort of thing on our own, but we weren't brave enough at that point. Um, so it was about six months later, when we were doing some work up in South Tees, uh, that we really got the confidence uh, to, to kind of make the leap. Um, I think Nero just wasn't working out for health. It's a very different business model. Um, and so Ed and I uh, decided that we would set up a company together and we had no idea what to call it, um, which was actually one of the biggest barriers. And then and then we, uh, we thought, oh, we quite like the name Edge. And realized that it kind of was our names um and so after that we couldn't go back um so we set edge up and then that's sort of where we are today brilliant oh thanks for sharing that amazing journey it's uh really good to hear so george it sounds like you and the team um you know crunched through an awful lot of data to find uh new signals in the data and i guess then the fun bit begins both trying to uh translate and communicate that information or the insights you found to a wider audience and in most cases these would be probably non-analytical consumers and with the advent of more data and the application of machine learning continued and set to grow for our listeners, would you be able to sort of offer some advice on sort of uh, providing sort of clear communications, especially when you're dealing with complex data or analyses, we say? Sure. I guess I guess the, the, the main point for us is that we we start very much with people. So, you know, someone will ask us a question or, or give us a, a, you know, an area to look into and have a specific interest. Mm-hmm. Um, the great thing about doing that is that straight away you've got a narrative which contextualizes the data and the analytics that you might do afterwards to bring that to life a bit with um you know it's back in march last year 
someone asked me, one of our hospital clients asked me if we'd looked at the impact of COVID on the bed base. And that was partly what led to us doing a huge amount of work that got covered in the national press on the, the impact of COVID on the NHS. Um, I guess the only other thing I'll say about bringing it to life is it, it, you just need to test things with the people that are going to be looking at it. Yeah. So, it, you know, it might come to life for an analyst, but not necessarily someone who might see themselves being data literate, but not being an analyst. Yeah, that's great. So, yes, get the people piece and the narrative straight first and then test as you go along. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. And, and also it'd be great trying to bring, obviously, Edge Health to life and sort of share with our listeners some of the exciting work that you guys are working on um, and have completed or, or have currently underway. For starters, you mentioned kind of the insight analysis work you did. You, you referred to that around COVID-19. Um, and I think you, you mentioned as well on an earlier call that it was to protect the capacity and essential cancer provision. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that and what it felt like. I mean, COVID-19 felt awful. Um, I don't think I've ever woken up at 4.30 in the morning consistently for a couple of weeks, worrying about our modelling, not in a good way. Um, so it, it did feel a bit bizarre um, when that when that happened. Um, but I mean, ordinarily, Edge Health, we do a, we kind of do a mix of work ranging from project-based to what we call data products. The project-based work um, ranges from many things, you know, COVID-19 modelling, the impacts uh, of, of cancer provision from COVID and what capacity needed to be protected and, and so on, um, through to how to set the price of adalimumab once that came off pattern uh, a couple of years ago. And that that, that piece of work helped save uh, £294 million in cash for the NHS. You know, And then we do other work looking at business case modelling for new emergency departments or uh, demand and capacity for for bed modelling in hospital. Um, so a kind of range that, that looks a bit like that. And then the data product stuff, which is slightly different. It's usually when it sits somewhere between a project and a software. So when someone wants to ask the same question again and again, possibly on a daily or hourly basis, um, we'll turn kind of a project output into what looks like a bit of software so that they 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 can access that on an ongoing basis. The the one that comes to mind, the one that we've done most work on is called SpaceFinder. SpaceFinder just helps theatre managers to find space in their theatre lists, mm-hmm. um, uses predictive analytics, machine learning uh, models to, to understand how much space there will be ahead of time um, and, and just provides that information back to the, the booking managers so that they can fill space in effect. Yeah. And on that space fund, I believe that was kind of the reason you're saying that it was behind setting up Edge as well, wasn't it? And you did some really innovative stuff, didn't you, with, with the data? It wasn't just the, the data that was available, it was, it was the, the, structured, the unstructured data, wasn't it? Yeah, so I think we were working in South Tees and the amount of times that the staff there told me how many hips a specific orthopaedic surgeon could do on a list, I can't, I can't tell you. And, we couldn't find any of these lists. I mean, there was literally no list where Will did five hips on his list. So we, we started looking at whether we could understand how long a, a list would go, depending on what went into it. And it was really tricky. And then my colleague and co-founder, Christian, um, spent the best part of two weeks uh, fiddling away with a machine learning model and managed to bring the data to life in a way that we just couldn't previously. 
And the way that he did that was looking at all the unstructured free text that they collect routinely before surgery, uh, putting that into a model and then looking at how to balance the, the, different, um, the different words in effect. Uh, and it came out with really precise predictions of how long an operation would take. Um, so precise that we were somewhat gobsmacked um, that we could tell a surgeon that if he was doing a hip on the left or the right, it'd be five minutes quicker because he was a left-handed surgeon. Um, the surgeons actually loved it. Um, they 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 did want to build or, or get us sort of bought into them. So we sat through some surgery. I think the first one was, I don't know if this is suitable for your podcast, was a, uh, a, a young guy about my age at the time who had his... Um, his left leg removed above the knee and I couldn't help but feel that the surgeon was somehow giving us a warning that you know <laughs> this could be us if the regression goes wrong um, which is always a really good motivator for doing good work. But key message there I suppose is important to you know be also in there stand in their shoes as well and sort of see what the environment's like when you're, you're yeah. presenting information. Yeah absolutely. Brilliant oh, fascinating thanks for sharing that with us. And also, you mentioned last time we spoke uh, the importance of, of learning from classes. People have mentioned contentious analytics and their disputes that follow from that as well. Are you able to share our listeners some thoughts you've had on that and about, you know, possible way forwards? It's, I th it's something that's really interesting, particularly after, I don't know if you saw Dominic Cummings do his, um, uh, his, his committee hearing the other day. Yep. But I, I guess the point around the contentious analytics is avoiding groupthink. And it's really easy, even in groups of, you know, uh, competitive analysts for groupthink to creep in. And the contention often, I think, becomes around small assumptions or, or calculations rather than the bigger picture. What I really like about the private sector work I've done, including recently with the aviation sector, but also back in the day with the, with the old cartel or merger, was that you had two sides that were so opposed to each other that they were, you were always looking to find something in what the other person was saying that was wrong. And through that process, you would inevitably find out or challenge the big assumptions. And the, the, the best one to bring that to life is this, uh, this time last year, we were not having airport testing because it would only uncover 7% of positive cases coming in on planes. And there's, there's a video of the prime minister saying this. And it's just a completely misleading, wrongly interpreted statistic. And it was only when we started working in the aviation sector that it really got challenged. And I think it's really important, particularly with, you know, particularly with things like COVID, where it has a massive impact on society if it goes one way or the other, to, to have that proper debate and avoid the group think and the tribalism that you often see and get with science and analysts in, in the public domain you know, often becomes like we all agree with each other quite strongly. And, you know, why have you put your chart like that rather than what's the key assumption underpinning all of this? Brilliant. Yeah, no, it's great. It's debate is healthy, isn't it, on that side? Well, thanks for sharing yeah. that with us. And openness. Um, and openness. <laughs> Fantastic. And, and George, finally, you know, what do you do outside, obviously, your, your passion for complex analysis and to improve healthcare outcomes? What do you do to relax? Well, pre-COVID, which coincided with becoming a new dad, I used yeah. to go climbing, hiking, socializing, surfing. Um, I mean, honestly, now that, you know, there's, I don't know if it's the pandemic or fatherhood, but honestly, coming to work is the most relaxing thing in my life at the moment. 
fantastic. That's brilliant. <laughs> and if we wanted to follow some of the great work you're doing, George, as well, is it uh, you're just checking your Twitter handle is at George Bachelor? Is that right? You got in yes. there for Bachelor with a T. With a T. Great. Thank you. And George knows, listen, it's been really, really good to, to speak with you, you know, from telling us about your sort of uh, early interest and continued passion in maths and about it being close to the real world, which I think really is so important as well. And about, and it's great to hear about, you know, coming into health, collaborative environment, you, 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 re, you referenced there, and also great networking opportunities, uh, mostly with people that you want to work with. Um, but also, you know, the importance about if you're, if you're doing an analysis, you know, meet with the people, get the narrative straight and challenge that. And then finally, I think you mentioned as well, wasn't it? Contentious analytics, you know, avoid that group think, but, you know, proper debate and openness and sharing is really important to keep that, that sort of momentum going. But no, really, really great advice and sort of feedback there. And thanks for sharing that with us. But uh, we'll have to get you on board when a bit more uh, of your exciting work comes out and uh, invite you back to FICA. But no, thanks for joining us. No, thanks for having me. It's been uh, great speaking, John. Thank you. Take care. So I'd like to thank our speaker for joining us today and for everybody else tuning in to this podcast. Uh, Look forward to seeing you in the future.